All right. Welcome to the How to Health podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and today I'm very excited to introduce Dr. Ronnie Pollock, and he's in Tel Aviv. So forgive us if there's a slight delay, but thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to share with us, Dr. Pollock. Thank you so much for the interview. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to have our listeners see what you're doing because I really feel that you're, you're leading the way of how things can really change in healthcare. And um, we're going to get into that, but I want to share to our audience a little bit about you. So um, Dr. Pollock is the founder and director of the Culinary Healthcare Education Fundamentals, or quote unquote, the chef coaching program at the Institute of Lifestyle Medicine, Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital, and a research associate, PM&R, oh, excuse me, PM&R department, Harvard Medical School. Prior to this position, he completed a research fellowship in lifestyle medicine at Joslin Diabetes Center. Um, for those who don't know, that's one of the leading diabetes centers in the United States. Harvard Medical School and a residency in family medicine at the Hebrew University Medical School in Jerusalem, Israel. Dr. Pollock had the good fortune to be founder of the Hadassah Healthy Cooking and Lifestyle Center and the Israeli Society of Lifestyle Medicine. His first lifestyle invention won the Hebrew University's K Award Prize for Innovation. His book, Delicious Diabetic Recipes, is a gold bestseller. Dr. Pollock's current focus is in nutrition, education, and clinical and translational research related to the culinary medicine, which I love that term, and medical education. His work focuses on chef coaching, utilizing evidence-based medicine to help individuals and professionals efficiently and cost-effectively, even better, improve nutrition. Aspects of his work include the patient chef coaching program to improve the eating behavior of patients with cardiometabolic risk factors and a clinician chef coaching program, which is fascinating, that trains clinicians on how to provide effective culinary healthcare education. The clinician chef coaching program has been implemented into the Yale Preventive Medicine Internal Medicine Residency Program and was recently approved by Harvard Medical School for continuing medical education credits. Wow. So you've done a lot. <laughs> Thank you. That is an incredible achievement. And I really, like I said, I think you're a leader in this movement. So can you first tell us how you became interested in medicine and then how this culinary component involved? I mean, this is, it's fascinating to me. Please share. Well, <laughs> so that's, the, uh, I had a, uh, quite a unique journey. I, 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 learned, I learned medicine in, in Israel, which followed a, a European system of six years of medical school. So during my fourth year, I wasn't sure it's, it's the right path for me. So I, I, I left medical school and, and became a chef. Yeah. And, <laughs> and during my culinary education, I, I kind of find a way that will medicine works for me. Uh, and then I, I applied back to medical school and, and <laughs> was accepted again and complete my medical education. So, so that's, that's the way all these components um, incorporate in, in, my, in my path. So you left medical school, came back to medical school. How many years were you out of medical school? Three. Three. So did you get to pick up where you yeah. left off or did they make you start over? I was lucky to pick up only a few weeks. Oh, wow. Okay. That's good. So then yeah. tell it, tell me about your culinary uh, training. What was your, was the basics, was it like healthy cooking? Was this traditional? I mean, what kind of culinary training did you have? So I went to uh, Lettre Don Bleu uh, okay. down in Sydney, Australia. 
and I study French cuisine. Um, I, I don't know what you think about the French cuisine, if they're healthy or not. Uh, they are very liberal in, in cream, uh, very liberal in butter, but still they are appreciate uh, produce and appreciate cooking from scratch and appreciate the understanding of food. So, you know, uh, there are various ways to look at the French cuisine. Absolutely. So then you finished medical school and you did a family medicine residency, which is what I've done as well. So how did you start incorporating this into your practice? So like, how did that translate? So I was very lucky that um, at the same time that I finished medical school, my hospital decided to open a big um, wellness center and they built a teaching kitchen for me. Wow. So, yeah. And so just after completing medical school, I, I really was lucky to um, develop this uh, healthy cooking and lifestyle center in my hospital. So I did that for three years, and then I started my residency. Uh, and then, my, and then, the, then the institution was quite established, so I managed to do both of them, to continue working in, in my hospital in the Healthy Cooking and Lifestyle Center together with my residency. And, and I think that the, uh, the best way to incorporate what I did with my like, traditional medical work is uh, medical education. And many, many of the residents and, and many of the physicians in the department came to the hospital and, and learned about new ways to incorporate nutrition uh, into their practice. So tell me a little bit more about that time they built the kitchen for you. I mean, it's, and you took three years off before entering residency. What were you doing exactly? What was your programs? How were you reaching out to your community? What was that exactly? So we, uh, we did several things in this center. First of all, we, we provide ser uh, services, uh, services to um, mostly the community. And we, we, we just picked up nutritional recommendation and develop culinary program around it. For example, we have a specific program for people with type 2 diabetes. We have we a specific program for, for people with inflammatory bowel disease. We had, we had specific program for patients with uh, breast cancer and, and so on. So, so, so this was one component of what we did. And another component of what we did is medical education. As, as I shared, we had several programs for physicians, for nurses, per, uh, primarily for physicians and nurses. And we did, uh, and several of this program was evaluated and, and published. So, so that's, that's what we did in this center. That is incredible. So how many would you say, so, and this is in Israel, right? This, this whole situation. Yeah. So how many, how receptive were your physicians? Was this just like the normal part? Like they expect education to include nutrition or was this like for those who were a little bit more progressive and thought, oh, I know I want to incorporate nutrition. I'm like, how is that accepted in your society? Because I know here in America, it is not, well, it's getting better, but it's, it's, a, it's a tough course to follow. What is your experience there? I think I, think I had the same experience in Israel. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, this all, all this institution was not really within the hospital, it was in the community, and there were several of the key stakeholders of the hospital that, you know, wasn't so happy, not happy is not a good word, but wasn't so sure is the, the mission of the hospital. But, um, you know, I, I, the program was sustainable. I didn't lose money. So they said, okay, you can, go, you can continue. And so, the, so that's, I, I think, I think in, in the first day that I, if, if I would lose money for, for the first day, they would close me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is your center still going there? Um, actually, when I when I left to uh, to the state, um, so my hospital went through some um, financial uh, financial issues, and this this was the first center to to, to be closed. So oh. so this center is not working any anymore. But I think that the good news is that the the reason I'm spending my time between Massachusetts and, Massachusetts and, and Tel Aviv is because a very big Israeli hospital decided to open a lifestyle medicine center. And, and this time it, uh, they think it's part of the mission. And this time it's, it's, it's within the hospital. So I think things are moving very well in this area. Wow. So when, did you, when did you start working in Tel Aviv at the hospital there with this program? Mm, three months ago. Wow. So tell us where the plans are and what you're planning on doing. That's fascinating. So, so, so the plan is to bring uh, culinary medicine here and to develop culinary medicine program. I think that actually last week uh, the, the Israeli Ministry of Health approved um, a very interesting pilot of incorporating culinary medicine in a community rehabilitation program. And this, this is the kind of the thing that I hope will happen more. Wow. So that's incredible. So when you say you're developing this institute, like how will the patients be involved? How will physicians be involved? What is your outreach? I mean, so what is your big vision? What would be a, a really humming practice or institute? Like what does that entail exactly? We are still designing how it will look like. Uh, my hope is uh, to include, you know, the, the chef coaching program that I uh, work here at Spalding is 100%, well, actually today is not 100%, but it's mostly remote. Oh, okay. And I, I truly believe in, in this mode of delivery. And we are developing culinary videos that people can follow. And we develop remote program that people that you know my, my long-term vision is the same as we talk now we can cook together mm-hmm. so for example if if the, if the if the zoom camera will will catch my cutting board and you and you will put your laptop in your own kitchen mm-hmm. and maybe another hundreds physician will put the laptop in their own kitchen and if I will send you a recipe um, ingredient list mm-hmm. before the session, so then we can cook together. Um, and and that's, that's my vision. That's awesome. So that's incredible. So do you have, with your chef program now, so it's all remote. So like for someone, I'm in Florida and your, your program's in Massachusetts. I could learn your program remotely. You, with, you have it set up sure. now? Yeah. 
Oh wow! So we have we have we have two versions of the program, and one we call it the remote, and the second the other we call it the hybrid. So if you will join the remote program, so 100% of the education will be remotely. So you can be either a clinician that wants to be educated how to prescribe culinary medicine and nutrition, or you might be a patient that wants to join the program. Um, both options are available remotely. And if you would like to meet us, so you can come to Massachusetts and we'll have, we'll have uh, half of the program on, uh, on site and the other half will be remotely because we, we really believe that um, in, in the remote delivery mode, this is much cheaper, much more accessible for patients. And I, I think this is, this is the future. Right, absolutely. So how long is your program? So the, the medical education program, the clinician's chef coaching, is 18 hours. Okay. It's nine, nine hours of talks and nine hours of small group practice sessions. Okay. And then the, the patient, patient program... The patient program is 12, 30-minute session. Okay, great. Very easy and accessible and digestible and able, literally speaking, pun intended. So I want to know, so you went to their culinary, you left medical school. So you just kind of like said, Oh, I left medical school and went and got culinary training, came back. I'm like, so there's a lot of stuff going on in there. I mean, where does someone leave the middle of medical school? What are they thinking? Like what, spawned you to say i'm gonna go to be learn to be a chef i mean i want to know what was going on in your head like that's some really interesting turn of events and then to come back so tell me what happened tell me the story i don't know i mean it was it was a long time ago uh and you know and and as 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 the time go by you have different perspective of what's happened like long time ago so i think that what i I think that I didn't like the experience in medical school because of two main two main things. One, uh, it it lacks uh, connect. It's hard to say, but but I didn't feel I have enough connection with people, and I think I think this is this is one reason. And the other reason, I felt that there's no room for any uh, of any creativity in, 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 in what I did. I, I just need to follow protocols and, and it's kind of drive me nuts. Mm. So I think, I think those were the two, the two reasons why I left. And, and actually I think, I think that now I find, find ways to incorporate the same things in my practice. So, you know, I, I try to um, invite new things and, and new, new modes of delivery and, and new recipes and, and so on. And, and I think that culinary medicine is really patient-centered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's prescribing nutrition exactly in the way that patients can follow. So I don't know. I think I found a way to, to address the, 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 the gaps that I found in medicine. <laughs> so are you still doing a traditional family practice? Like you see patients on a regular basis or are you just doing the, new, the nutritional? Yes. You know, so you're doing both? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I do have half day, uh, tw- tw- twice a week, half day each time. Oh, wow. Okay. So then when you have patients come in, do they know what you're going to do, like prescribe to them nutrition? And I mean, how do you work that in? Because I know how I worked it in. It was, it was fun. 
So tell us about that. What is a day? What is a patient? What can a patient expect when they walk into your office? What is what is Dr. Pollock going to say and do? <laughs> so, so you know, most most of my patients still still. I mean, I, I I practice in Israel, so most and 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 the program and the center in the hospital is only three months old. So, so most of the patient doesn't even know it's it exists. Gotcha. And and I I really spend my time just see what patients want because uh, I, the, the patients have a lot of various experiences from nutritional counseling. You know mm. that people that feel it's boring, people that that feel um, they can learn a lot of it, a lot of experience on different experiences from culinary, sorry, from nutritional education. And I, I kind of try to see where the patients are and, and what can help them pursue better nutrition. Okay. So do you, as part of your um, experience in medicine, can you tell us a little bit, because most of my, well, I have listeners from around the world, but mostly in the United States. What is your, like, what type of insurance? Do you have socialized medicine there? Is it a one-payer system? How, how do people get healthcare where you are? And so what, like, what type of services are actually covered? So um, in, in Israel, the, the healthcare system is a, is a governmental system. So um, treatment is basically free. But, and, and nutritional counseling is, is depends on your, on your health condition. But it, everybody can have it. But the, the, the amount of meeting per year or the, or the level of counseling per year is, is depends on your medical condition. So it could be, it can be, it can vary between like maybe one to three times a year to almost infinitive time as, as, as much as you need. If, if you have, for example, diabetes or, or a disease that require um, nutritional recommendation, like specific nutritional recommendations. So then physicians, are they employees of the government then or contractors or how does that work? Um, it, it, dep- it depends. There are, there are physicians. Well, mo- most of the physicians are contractor of the, actually, this is really interesting. Uh, and, and, it's, and it looks very strange, but uh, the, the, in Israel, we have three big uh, and total four um, healthcare, healthcare providers which are also the, um, the, insur- the insur- insurance company. So, mm. so the, 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 the government gives the money to the insurance company and they operate the, um, the service. So, you are, so most of the physicians in Israel are employees of the health insurance companies, <laughs> which, which are not companies, they are, for, they are not for profit, but uh, this, is, this is really a, an interesting system. That is interesting. So do you get, do you get, is there pushback to the physicians not to see the patients as much just because of utilization? I mean, is there any, are there like, do they push guidelines down you saying, don't do this, don't do that, or do this, do that? I mean, you're pretty much free to practice the way you'd like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Cool. Mm -hmm. Even more reasons for me to go to visit Israel. Um, So (laughs) I'm serious. So as far as so you brought this into your practice now and you prescribe this to your patient. Tell me what a typical recipe would be for like, or, or what would be your nutritional requirements for a type two diabetic? 
Sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear well the question. What would be a, um, a recipe for type 2 diabetes patients? Yeah, what, what type of nutritional regimen would you have, for example, someone with type 2 diabetes um, eating? I, I know what I use typically primarily plant-based uh, diet, but what do you prescribe to your type 2 diabetics? So um, I, I'm, I'm not sure if you ask me as a physician or as a chef. Either one. But, uh, so I... I will start with answering as a chef. Okay. So, um, so as a chef, I, I and, and, and this, is, this, this is the beauty, I mean, one, one, one of the beauties of culinary medicine is the fact that it doesn't make any different any diet you follow. If you will do more home cooking, it will improve your, it will improve the, uh, your adherence to healthy diet. So if, if, I'm, if I'm referring patients to nutritionists and, and the patients come back following the Mediterranean diet, Perfect. I can help him cook more. If if a patient come back following vegan diet, that's also fine. I, I can help him or her um, adhere better to the diet uh, through home cooking. Mm. So uh, I, we don't have a definition for culinary medicine yet. We uh, there are several leaders in the U.S. and we 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 didn't define the field yet, but. And there are various definitions, and none of them include specific diet mm -hmm. because culinary medicine can work with every diet. So that's that's as a um, as a chef. So as as a chef, I I really I, I take the nutritional recommendation of the patient. I take his food preferences, and together I, I develop um, recipes and and things he, he can follow. So you're actually what, teaching how to cook, like you're bringing it back into the home. Correct. So, so as, as a physician, I, I don't have a lot of time to discuss about cooking, as you can imagine. So, you know, I, 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 I found that most of the physicians uh, don't know that home cooking related to health. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think that's, that's um, one of the messages that I'm, I'm happy to, 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 to deliver to the physician's community. And, and, and a lot of patients doesn't know that as well, you know, because physicians don't know it, so, so patients don't know it. And, you know, I sometimes spend just 10, 10 seconds, 20 seconds from my 10 minutes meeting just to let patients know that home cooking is important. And, and that's, that's one of the key messages I deliver. And, and because I don't have time, I usually have a collection of videos that I can refer patients to. And, and as, as, as I said, I think, I think this, is, this is the way to go. And, and actually, <clears throat> we are just about to finish a, a very interesting project. So uh, are you familiar with the lifestyle medicine competencies curriculum that was developed by the ACPM, ACLM? Yeah. Actually, I've signed up so, for it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. So, so we are now developing a elective, a culinary medicine elective. Oh, it wow. will be like a 90 minutes of um, culinary medicine module. And within that, we created 12 videos. And nine of them are videos of recipes. So you can prescribe your patient those recipes. So if you're a physician and you don't have 
time to discuss about food so much and don't have time to, to discuss about culinary medicine so much, but you still think that home cooking matter and your patient is interested to cook more, you can just prescribe him or her the, the video and, and you can touch base about that in the next meeting. Great. So are you going to be in Tucson in Arizona at their next conference? In October? No, no, unfortunately not, because but because of great actually because of great news. So um, we are about to open to to launch a culinary medicine task force task force in the in the rehab world, and we have a conference exactly in the same date. Mm-hmm. And because we are launching this task force, I decided to, to go to the other conference. But this is only, only for good things, for good purposes. Wow, that's incredible. I'm actually going to take the lifestyle medicine uh, board uh, that they offer this oh, October. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be the inaugural one. So I'll be like, sweet. Um, so that is interesting. So when you describe... So you're basically giving patients and physicians tools to become more active in their kitchen. So, in, you know, you know in America, but there's tons of processed foods. I mean, there's, there's like, you know, 80% of the grocery store should just be not there as far as I'm concerned. What, how do you get that message? Because they could even still be eating at home, but it could be eating chips and processed foods and just junk. Um, how do you share that message of whole foods and and, you know, trying to cook more instead of, you know, popping open a box or a can or a frozen meal? I think that this is, this is exactly the reason why I think that culinary medicine program should include also behavioral change techniques, because this is a, a really meaningful change for people. And, and home cooking is a behavior. It, it's a behavior. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a skill. Uh, and, and the, for example, the chef coaching program is built on culinary training together with health coaching principles. So, and, and, and I think the best way to, to address the challenge that you just mentioned is by setting achievable culinary goals. You cannot change your kitchen in, in a day and, and maybe not in a year, and, and maybe not, and maybe you cannot change it completely in a year, but you, if, but you still can do more. And many culinary medicine principles discuss how you can cook a lot in a very limited time. You know, there were various studies that tried to look at why people cook less this day and why people use this processed food that, that you just described. And one of the barriers is time. People are crazy busy these days and don't have time to cook. And culinary medicine includes several tools about how to cook tons of food in a limited, time, in a limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. For example, batch cooking. A lot of people doesn't know how to do it. And a lot of people doesn't know how to use them at the freezer, how to freeze food, how to defrost food. How to, how to store food in, in, in your refrigerator. And this is, this is the kind of the tools that we teach our patients and also the physicians. Wow. So do you have a, a recommendation for those of us 
you know, besides um, in getting involved with your remote program, do you have a recommendation for other resources that I know that you use to maybe to develop your program or that we could reach out and connect with them? So what, where do you recommend physicians start going to become more trained in this type of thing? Sure. So, so I think the, the American College of Preventive Medicine uh, curriculum is, um, is, an, is a nice first step. Mm. Um, it, it has one, one culinary medicine module. Um, the, the next level are conferences. For example, there is a very, uh, an amazing conference in the, in the Napa Valley, Healthy Kitchen, Healthy Lives. That it's a it's a collaboration between Harvard School of Public Health and the Culinary Institute of America, and they put up a full weekend once a year that teach culinary medicine. During the the last one or two years, there are several other conference uh, culinary medicine conferences. Uh, there is down at, at New Orleans. There is a new one. And um, in another place in California, there is a new one. So that's also uh, something to check out. And I think that, and then the next level is a culinary medicine training. Mm. So we have a training in, in uh, Harvard. And Tulane Medical School also have a training. It's not, it's not a remote training. It's um, on-site training. So, you know, you can choose uh, um, whatever works best for you. Another, another way that people learn more about culinary medicine is just to join to culinary school. And, and there is a very good culinary school if you are following plant-based diet. It's called uh, Culinary Rx. They work, they, they work closely aligned with the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. So this is also something to check out, I think. Yeah, definitely. That's, I think they use the Ruby School online to teach mm-hmm. um, how to do that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. So there's tons of resources there. So what have you found when people start adopting these things that you're suggesting? What type of transformations have you seen in patients' health? So do you have a favorite story like do you like to share with of a patient, you know, reclaiming their health or maybe even a doctor that started using this and had some great success? So what type of, what type of things can people expect? So you know the the um, my best uh, my, my best stories are a story about about people that really try to follow healthy diet and cannot and don't expect their expectation because of the lack skills and and I think that the story that I usually tell is a, is about one of my first patients at Boston so he he He's a physician, a psychiatry, that was just recently diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, so he came to us, to Jocelyn, to take a culinary program. And one of his goals was to make his own lunch. So what he usually do, he, you know, he went out of the office and, and he usually bought like a huge sandwich and he wanted to make his own, his, his own sandwich, like a, a small and, and healthy one. So, I, you know, I, I asked him if he know to make sandwich. And he said, yes, I, I know to make sandwich. I also have the confidence to make sandwich. So I asked him, so what hold you for making sandwiches? So he told me that he have time to, 
to buy produce and to buy cheese or whatever he would like to put in his sandwich, but he don't have time to buy fresh bread every morning. And, 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 and then I ask him if he knows that he can freeze and defrost bread. And he was like, wow, <laughs> you can freeze and defrost bread. This is like unbelievable. And, and he tried it and he liked it. And since then he, he made his own sandwiches. And actually I, I talked with him a few weeks ago and he, and he continue even losing weight now. I, I don't know if it's like because of the sandwiches, but, but this is amazing, amazing. The, the gap between it, what we know, what healthy nutrition is, and, you know, we expect our patient to eat uh, vegetables, to eat healthy grains, quinoa and whole rice and all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And people doesn't know even to freeze and defrost bread. So how can they follow healthy diets? Right. And, and I really believe that this, this gap should be narrowed at least. Right. I, I agree. And I think, you know, maybe starting in schools with, um, you know, education in our school systems would be very helpful. So, you know, mm-hmm. home ec shouldn't be an elective, you know, home, home ec, where we learned to cook. Um, well, I was in the kitchen with my mom, but, you know, that's, that's a skill that it's a basic skill. It's like, it's like balancing your checkbook. You should be, know how to, how to actually cook a meal, <laughs> wash your clothes. These are basic skills. Oh, well. I totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. I, actually, most most of the health, healthy behavior, if you if you adopt it when when you kid, so you, you probably will will continue practicing when you're adult. Absolutely, and I think patients disconnect what they're teaching their kids by modeling that behavior. They just, you know, it's like. Oh, the parent smokes, but I'm going to tell my kid not to smoke. I'm like, your kid's higher risk of smoking because you're smoking. Like, let's, you know, own up and be a parent. But, you know, I've raised all three of my children. They're adults now, but um, they all eat healthy and, you know, take good care of themselves. And so, yeah, I've got one starting medical school and two in college. And so they're, they're doing great. But you're exactly right. It had to be the education that we laid down awesome. first. So, yeah. So do you have a family? Have a- yes. Or do they, so are they, I'm sorry. Sorry, go ahead. So you have a family, your, your wife and, and children? No, I have a spouse. Not, no, I, I don't, we, we, we don't have children. So does she enjoy cooking with you or does she leave that all to you? <laughs> she, she's a great baker, actually. Oh, oh that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's amazing. And I cook and she and she bake. Nice. Now is she also a physician? Uh oh. Let me stop here. No, 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 no. <laughs> there you are. No physician. No, she's a archaeologist. Oh, very cool. So now that you're gone back, are you spending most of your time in, in Israel or Massachusetts or both, you know, equal? Or are you finding yourself more time where? Um, more time in Israel at this stage. Okay, very cool. And your wife just remote, she travels with you wherever you go? No, oh, she lives in Philly. She lives in Philly. <laughs> oh my, I thought my life was complicated. So, yeah. <laughs> 
my husband just came from Colorado. He was there for seven months when I was in Florida, but now everybody's uh, here in Florida. So as far as um, any last bit of advice that, for example, let's say someone's listening or someone's watching this video and they're like, you know, I never really thought nutrition was that big a deal. Or maybe a doctor was like, nutrition has nothing to do with chronic disease. What would you say to them? What would be a, a bit of advice that would maybe just, you know, click it for them in their brains. Like, wow, maybe I should actually pursue this a little bit further. I think that that the main response that I get from physicians is is the um, the time barrier, the time barrier um, of prescribing nutrition, especially culinary medicine, as part of their medical encounter, mm. and. And the, the message that I would like to deliver is one, if you just emphasize the importance of home cooking, so that's, that's a great first step. And then use technology or, you know, and, you know, sometimes technology is a very like big word, but, you know, videos are technology and videos, you know, most of us feel comfortable with. So uh, if, if you don't have time, just acknowledge the importance of nutrition or home cooking. Have a uh, have few videos that you can share with your patient. And if you can finish the discussion with a smart goal, so that's even better. And, and that's about it. I mean, that's going to be a very, very important start. So you, you're incorporating one, the, the message, but also a small goal because that makes it more attainable, right? So small steps, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. adding more fruits and vegetables, mm -hmm. cooking at least one meal at home a day, you know, just starting with something like that. You're absolutely right. And uh, that's what I found to be successful with my own patients. So, well, I know um, I promised 45 minutes. So I'm closing in on that. So I wanted to say thank you. Um, I like to end the podcast with acknowledgement and say thank you for everything you're doing internationally. So in the United States and in Israel, I mean, it's, I was really cool because I had some idea, but I didn't understand all the things that you're doing. And um, that's pretty incredible. I'm really excited to watch you and see where everything goes. And I hope we can stay in touch and you let me know if there's anything I could do to help you. Oh. I really appreciate everything you're oh, doing for us. Thank you so much. Thank you for the interview. Um, and I, I may, maybe we'll meet in the ACLM 2019. Yeah, That's maybe sorry, 2018. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or maybe I'll make it to Israel sometime when you're over and I'll, I'll stop in. That's fantastic. So, well, again, thank you so much.